Amen. That was awesome. Give God a round of applause this morning. Any good, great worship. Everything you just sang about, you're going to hear about in the message today. So it'll be great for you to come back and listen to these songs. Tanner, uh, hang on just a second. So as he walks off, notice that we're both wearing black today. Uh, last weekend, it was his weekend. Arkansas got knocked out by Duke. My team lost last night to North Carolina. And, and so we're both grieving. And so anyway, we're processing that and moving on. So we need a word from God today. <laughs> so so uh, I'm trying to get through all that today. We're going to talk about battling and losing anyway this morning. Uh, but here, uh, I need a word from God because I had, um, my, I've got three sons, they're all grown. Uh, my oldest son was flying in from North Carolina tomorrow to Nashville to ride down with my uh, middle son. And then our other son here is on staff. And we were going to go to New Orleans tomorrow morning and uh, watch Duke play in the championship game. And today we're selling the tickets, so uh, sometimes life is a battle, it's not easy. We're going to talk to you guys about that uh, this morning. We're in the Gospel of Luke, uh, talking to you that God's got a plan, even when you have a loss and your team loses out. Uh, so speaking of battles, how many of you have ever been in a battle? Anybody ever been in a battle this morning? How many of you are in a battle today? All right, I got you, we're going we're gonna to help you out, we, we feel you this morning. And I'm not talking about a battle in your home, I'm not talking about a battle with your spouse, all right, not, not those kind of battles. I'm not even talking about, and let's just be honest, how many of you were in a battle on your way to church this morning? You got all those rugrats in the car, they didn't want to get dressed, uh, they were going to make you late for church, nobody else wanted to go to church but you guys, and so you, you were literally yelling at your kids, we're going to church this morning, enjoy Jesus! Hey, God bless you. Let's go check in. Uh, anyway, I know how y'all do because we had three. Uh, we get that. And by the way, uh, I'm going to do something I don't know that I've really hardly ever done or got to do. But this is a cool moment for me. Surreal. Um, this is sort of a pastor's dream. And this is awesome. Let me just brag on you guys. And I was thinking about it first service, a large crowd. I'm looking at you guys. You guys just keep coming every week. And all through 30 some odd years, I've dreamed of being able to just say, thank you guys for being faithful to come and enjoy Jesus. And what a privilege to pastor a church where you guys just show up. You enjoy being in his house. Thank you for your faithfulness. We dog on you and we yell at y'all to come. And you guys are doing it. And I just want to say thank you for loving on Jesus, for coming for him. And I don't know that I've ever got a chance to do that. That's awesome. I love my church. Love you guys. Thank you for being faithful. So in, back to our battle story. So we all go through battles. So I'm trying to relate to you guys uh, about battle scenes. So maybe this will help you guys for those of you that are sports fans. We got the rest of this covered as well. But those of you are Mississippi sports fans, been pastoring here in the state uh, for 20 years. And you're going to find out how Mississippi this church, how Mississippi this church really is in a minute. But before we get there, um, the truth is I've watched you guys uh, and here's how it plays out every year. Come the 1st of September, the maroon, white, anyway, uh, and uh, red, blue, uh, all of you guys are like, this is our year. I'm just telling you, preacher, this is our year. We're going to Atlanta. We're going to, you know, we're going to take down Bama. You know, this is our year. And two weeks later, been pastoring here 20 years. By the time we get to tailgate Sunday, Doggone it, I knew it wasn't going to be our year. You ain't even got to the John Brown SEC schedule yet. You ain't even got to the heart of the battle, and y'all already given up. 
You're losing hope and believing. And so uh, I get it. I relate to it. I'm here this morning and should have been going to New Orleans tomorrow. But anyway, uh, so I get it. I relate to you guys this morning. But there's some other battles that are, uh, that are long enduring. And it's a struggle to keep believing. Let me give you a couple of these that are historic uh, that maybe you've lived through. So here's the first one. You remember Lord of the Rings? Got any fans? Any nerds? All right, any nerds in the room? All right, uh, remember the battle? We didn't know, you know, how that was going to come out. What about Star Wars? All right, so epic battles. Uh, man, there was a season you just thought Darth Vader was going to kill everybody for you Star War, Star War nerds. Uh, that's hard to say. Uh, what about the Avengers? Man, I've seen all of them. I, sh- I thought for sure Thanos was going to win. Anyway, uh, and, uh, but man, you got to keep believing. You got to keep believing. And now this is an epic battle of all time. <laughs> I told you, you knew your Mississippi church right here. Amen. Here's my story. Uh, every Friday night when I was growing up as a kid for one hour, I was really worried about them Duke boys. Bo and Luke were battling old boss hog and, and Roscoe. The cold train, all right, and so, and every week I would watch for that hour, and sure enough, by the end of that hour, they'd beat no boss hog, and they were still free, and they would hang on for another week, and would come up for another battle, so we got all kind of battles going on in our lives, and for those of you that are more artistic, all right, and so who's going to win this battle, so more in some of your all's wheelhouse right now, but the all-time, the greatest battle of all time that resonates in my heart is this one. <laughs> Can I get a witness? And now I'm going to confess something. This is two times I'm confessing something that I never do. And, and our, Amanda Bettingfield, she's a major cat lover in our church. And, but I'm going to do something that you've never heard this preacher say before. To be honest with you down deep, I pull for the cat. I wish one time that that old cat would eat the mouse. But you realize what happens, don't you, Freddie? When that happens, the show's over. Uh, and so, you get it? He ate the mouse. All right. Anyway, so we have all kind of epic battles and, and stuff that we live in. Matter of fact, our world that, you currently, that we currently live in is a violent, chaotic, unpredictable, dangerous place where we live at. But know this, it wasn't always this way. This messed up, screwed up world that we're all in wasn't always this way. Matter of fact, God created this planet as a perfect place. And it was so awesome and it was so perfect that man and every one of our needs was completely met by God and his creation. It was incredible. And matter of fact, everybody got along and loved each other. And only God could do that. It was so marvelous and so wonderful. Perfect. And that's how God designed it. And then humanity, you and I, we twisted it, his original creation. And we turned it into something so grotesque, so perverted, so evil that I can't even tell you just a, a few hundred years later, after Adam and Eve in the garden, just a few hundred years later, it became so dark and so vile and so corrupt that God would send a flood and destroy the entire earth. 
So we've been in a battle. And God could have left us in this mess. Dare I say, the mess that we made? Are you with me this morning? He could have and should have turned away and left us on this planet. And the truth is, Almighty God, for the despicable things we did, should have thrown and allowed us and tossed us into eternal damnation and everlasting hell. But he didn't. God so loved the world, and he so loved you, that he would send a representative for us. He would send somebody who would live for us, who would die for us, raise again for us, and it would be his own son, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. God so loved you and I that he desired to bring hope into the midst of the battle. So here's what I want you to know this morning. The Son of God, his name is Jesus Christ, and he came to fight the devil for you. Amen? The Son of God came to fight the devil for you. He is fighting for us and not against us. And folks, that ought to cause you to be excited this morning. That is a game changer. And our only hope to remain a free people is to put our trust and belief in the midst of our battle to continue to believe in Jesus. Matter of fact, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 22. For those of you that are first time, we're walking verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. We believe that this book has all the answers. Everything that you're looking for in your life is not from a cool sermon, a hip preacher, because I ain't, or even great music. It's this. It's the truth of the person who wrote this book. And this morning, we're going to tell you about him. According to Dr. Darrell Bach, great New Testament scholar, he says the major focus of today's text is Jesus demonstrating his ability to overcome his disciples' struggles. We all, and this is what I want you to get this morning, we all have to battle the devil daily in one way or another. You and I are watching it transpire in the very world that we live in, whether it's in Ukraine, financial wars that are going on here at home. It is a crying shame that our folks are struggling to put food on the table and have enough money to pay for gas to go to work, not to mention the battles over COVID. Are you not, along with me, tired of all the battles? Are you not tired of the struggle? And if we're not careful, church, this is why this message is so timely. We will quit believing in Jesus in the midst of the battle. Dr. Luke, the author of our entire book and our text today, he makes the case this morning that Jesus is going to demonstrate to his disciples his authority are over not only demons and spiritual warfare, but over the entire cosmos. And here's what one commentator said about the text. In our world, where nature is often personified as its own cosmic force with an independent identity, 
the reminder of who really is the force behind creation is important. Now, here's what I want to simply echo of what Dr. Bach is saying about you and I today. In our text that we're getting ready to read here in just a second, we're going to see a demonstration, two different distinct stories of how Jesus will try to get across to his disciples, don't quit believing in the middle of the battle that you're going through. Hang in there, because I am God, and my authority covers every aspect of your life and what you're walking through. Folks, we need a bigger belief and a bigger God. This past Wednesday night, when all of us were freaking out and tornadoes were headed to Mississippi, once again, like every flipping week, and Wednesday night, we were hunkered down, waiting for Matt and John. I was just waiting for Matt to walk up and slap John. The Oscars, get it? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> don't one of you dare come out of that audience today. If I see you moving, I'm calling. Anyway, all right, so anyway, uh, so you all need to watch TV. All right, anyway, and so, so uh, uh, and as they were arguing, and, you know, I mean, they were discussing, they were saying, you know, here's the storm, here's where it's coming at. Do you know what I did? Is I just talk to Jesus because I know him, because his son, because Jesus has saved me, and I have a relationship with him. And so I did something really crazy. You know, you know, I just went and I prayed to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, I pray that you would calm the storms around our church family. And I said, and if you choose in your sovereignty not to calm the storms around us, would you calm the storm inside of us? Somebody write that down. That's really good. I just wrote that originally. Anyway, no, I didn't. But, but the truth of the matter is, it's a great truth. And that's what he's saying to us in the text. I want you to believe in God in that way, that when all crazy is going around you, that you believe that God is looking after you. He's got this covered. And even if the storm hits in your life, he's going to walk with you through the difficult season and the battle that you're in. And that's the kind of belief that I believe Luke was wanting his disciples uh, to get that Jesus was talking about in our text today. And I want you and I to know that the world that we live in, and so that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story that we're going to see today has to do with the spiritual forces that are around us. We're going to talk to you guys today about the impact that the devil and demons, I didn't know I was going to that kind of church. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's in the Bible. We're going to talk to you this morning about the impact that the devil has on your daily life. And some of you are going, what? You know, in the Baptist church, we do one of two extremes. In this audience this morning and across this country, there is a certain population point that is fascinated with demonic stuff. You all are tempted to listen to it, listen to your kids' and grandkids' music. It's in the movies and Hollywood, and we tend to glorify it and sort of want to fascinated with demonic stuff. 
And on the other end of the spectrum, and you're saying, oh, that's terrible, and, you know, we're going to call out all that stuff today. And, and as bad as that can be, and you better be careful, can I tell you, I think that something that may be worse is when church people do not even believe in the devil, and they ignore and stick their head in the sand around those kind of people and around those kind of subjects, and they get all nervous when I start bringing this up. I wish you'd preach on something positive. And because we don't want to believe that the devil is out to ruin our lives, to make us miserable every day, to frustrate us, and ultimately destroy us. And the church, as John Brown stuck his head in the sand, pretended there was no devil out there, we're worried about voting on pews and church colors and paint while the devil is taking the whole world to hell, and we could care less. Just thought I'd share that with you. So tell me which one's worse. I want to tell you the devil is real. And I know how to have victory over him. And I'm going to tell you about it today. And it's demonstrated in our text, in the Word of God, how we be keep believing in Jesus alone. All right, would you stand with me this morning? Y'all know the drill. Somebody was complaining last week. I feel like at Connect Church now we have like jazzercise because we got to stand up. Uh, and so. If I really wanted to be mean, after each paragraph, I'd have you set back down and come back up. So, uh, and by the way, y'all quit standing and quit griping about standing up while we preach the Bible. Not like some of y'all could use a little exercise. Anyway, all right, so here we are. <laughs> all right, now yeah, there goes the offerings. All right, one day, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across the other side of the lake. And so they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And the windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling up with water and were in danger. And when they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and I love that. And basically the Greek word is, is even though he said that, are you listening this morning? They kept still being afraid in the present tense. And they marveled and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? And then they sailed to the country of whatever that is and which is opposite of Galilee. And when Jesus had stopped out of the, on the land, there met him a man from the city who was, had demons. I told you we we're going to do both. And for a long time he wore no clothes. He, not, he did not live in a house built among the, uh, he lived in a house built among the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. And he would listen to this. This is a messed up dude. He was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. So Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, which translated means a thousand. It's a crazy town. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to commend to command them to depart into the abyss. 
Now a large herd of pigs, and this is for Tanner, the original calling of the hogs. Now a large herd of the pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. Sorry, Tanner. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And now when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city, in the country. This is crazy. Then the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they found the man from whom the demon had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And now, what an incredible scene. The same guy is now clothed in his right mind. And again, notice what happens. Just like the disciples, Miss Marie, these people were still afraid. What is going on with us? And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of that town and asked him to depart from them. And they were seized with great fear crazy so he got into the boat and returned and the man from the demons had gone and begged that he might be with him and Jesus sent them away saying return to your home and declare how much God has done for you and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him you may be seated wow what an impacting story so in the first seven chapters to catch those of you that have missed uh, the gospel of Luke series thus far, Jesus is, uh, Dr. Luke has emphasized in the ministry of Jesus an individuals on an individual scale. In other words, he's told us about Jesus ministering to individuals, healing them, and thousands of people have either been saved or been healed by Jesus. But now we begin to shift gears in the paradigm that's going on here in Luke chapter 8. Jesus will be portrayed by Dr. Luke, is in a battle with his public ministry. In other words, the miracles that he's going to do from this point forward to the end of the book will be criticized and challenged by not only the Pharisees, but by demonic warfare. In other words, it is on. And soon, Jesus, in just a few months, will take the war to Satan himself and what we're going to tell you about in two weeks on the cross of Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is the beginning, if you will, of the end of this battle. And so this morning, I want you and I to realize that we are in a battle. And our enemy is not your spouse. It's not your kids, teenagers. Your enemy is not your parents. The enemy dare I say it in a Baptist church, is the devil. He's real. Let me give you the setting of the first story. We'll talk about it a little bit. In the first story, story, we see that a storm comes out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. And just so you really can visualize it, I want you to put yourself there this morning. The Sea of Galilee... If you were to compare it to our lives, it would be about like the size of Pickwick. So just sort of picture that you're out there and about that comparison. I've had the wonderful privilege of actually being on a fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee. Now here's what's fascinating about the Sea of Galilee. To the left on one side of it, it sits like down in a bowl. And, and so you need to get this visual and, and sort of under the context. And this 
In this bowl, on the left, on the other side, is the Arabian Desert. But on the right side is the Mediterranean Sea. And the topography of all of that causes the storms to blow in off the Mediterranean Sea, sink down out of nowhere into uh, the Sea of Galilee and like blow out into the desert. And it's just like literally creating the perfect storm place to live at. And now note also this, that this storm that had popped into the Sea of Galilee like it often did is not against people that have never been out in a storm. The disciples are what? Vocation. Remember? Fishermen. These guys have been fishing on this Sea of Galilee all their life, Lynn. They have been in all kinds of storms, but I'm telling you, they've never seen one like this. These experienced manly men, sort of tough guys like me. <laughs> anyway, uh, and these guys, I'm just kidding. And so these guys uh, that are, are outdoorsmen, they're rough, these guys are scared to death. They're professional fishermen, and they cry out, Master, Master, we're going to die. Now look at the authority of Jesus back in the text. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. I love that. How are you doing in the middle of your battle? Are you believing in Jesus to bring calm? Here's an interesting thought. The wind and the water are a lot like you guys. They do not have minds. <laughs> uh, okay, that went over well. The wind and the water do not think. Wind and water are like your children. They don't have ears. Wind and water are like your husbands. They don't listen. And wind and water, just so you understand this morning, um, they are like your wives. They don't make decisions. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, now I've offended everybody. Yet, the wind... And the water obey the word. You know, we could learn from a deaf creation, the wind and the water, how to be smart enough to just listen. And when God speaks, to really believe that he's in charge. Here's what Dr. Danny Aiken says to this point. The winds and the waves put us to shame. We have to look at unthinking things in order to know how we should think about God, about God's word and his authority. I love that. We see that Jesus will make this very argument known. Jesus is going to tell them, hey guys, here's what I want you to realize, that even the waves and the, and the, and the seas, they understand Jesus' authority. Jesus would say in verse 25, he would say to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled at Jesus one another. Who is this then that commands even what? The winds and the water, and unlike us, they obey him. So we see that Jesus was making the case to his disciples, and the struggle in the middle of their, of their battle, the storm that is on them, they struggle to believe in Jesus. So let me ask you this morning, when the storms come up in your life, Maybe a storm that you're in this morning. How are you doing at believing in Jesus?
Do you believe he's got this? Are you trusting him or you keep trying to fix it yourself? Do you try and ignore your problems, run away from your fears? Or do you really believe that Jesus is in the middle of them? Let me illustrate it to you this way this morning. How many of you guys watch scary movies? Any of you watch scary movies? Uh, you all a bunch of Baptist hypocrites, because I know more of you all watch scary movies uh, than that. I don't want to raise my hand. Jesus might see it. He knows. Ah, anyway, and so uh, you watch scary movies. I get that. We don't watch scary movies at our house, not because of our theological position, but because of my wife. My wife has no desire to watch scary movies because she has really weird dreams, and she has night terrors um, from time to time, and always has, and after 30 years of living through it, I'll have to admit, I've gotten to a place that's probably not that good as a husband, but you just get there after a while. Amen, fellas? Don't leave me hanging. Uh, anyway, and so the other night, let me just tell you the story, is the other night, um, I'm watching a ball game, and um, all of a sudden, Belinda went to bed early, and all of a sudden, I hear, ah! 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 I mean, it's loud. And you know what I do, Josh? Don't do this. You're nearly married. I just turn the volume up on the ball game. It's terrible. And, uh, but don't judge me because there's, there's a rationale behind this. Tanner was like, amen in this, babe. He was just totally going, I know the crazy, anyway. And, um, and Andrew was too. And our boys know that they've heard it all their life. She'll just periodically in the middle of the night do this kind of stuff. And we just got to where, to be honest with you, Mike, we just didn't respond anymore. And there was another reason for that too, because if you wake up Sister Precious, pastor's wife, and she is, she's a wonderful, you know, perfect pastor's wife and all that, but don't you dare mess with her in the middle of the night or wake her up, because I'm telling you some ungodly, unholy things come out. And so I'm not dumb. And so I just let it ride. And it all quieted down and went ahead and watched the ball game. So the next morning, then I was brave. So the next morning, sweetie, <laughs> Did we have a little trouble last night? And she goes, did I yell my sleep? Yeah, a little. And I said, uh, she goes, I said, so what happened? And she, she tells me, and this is where I live. And uh, she said, well, I was just sleeping away. And all of a sudden, a severed head drops out of the ceiling and lands on the nightstand. <laughs> and she said, and I roll over. And there's just a severed head, bloody and all, just staring right at me. And I screamed. This is where I live. Pray for me. And, uh, and I said, well, what did you do? And she goes, I screamed and I rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> and so that's why I didn't go check on her. She's in a much better mood in the morning. <laughs> and, and so uh, and similar things happen in your life and mine. And here's how the devil plays games with you guys. The truth is he plays on your emotions and your feelings and your fears in the midst of the battle and you all quit believing in God. Let me illustrate it to you how you live this out and then we'll get to the spiritual part of this. You all that are hypocrites that didn't raise your hands, those of you that are honest, thank you, and you go to the movie theater and you watch your scary movie and lo and behold, when you're at the Malco, you're watching that scary movie on the screen. 
And that director has so manipulated your feelings and your emotions that you believe that John Brown monster on the screen is about to jump out of there and into your lap any moment, any time. You're so overcome with your fears and emotions while you're sitting at the Malco that the people around you, if one of them at that climactic moment sneezes or coughs, you wet your pants. Because you really believe that what's on the screen is about to get you. And the whole time, think through with your rationale. There ain't no monster coming in the Malco. You're sitting because they're smarter than you. You're sitting in some nasty, sticky seat with popcorn all over your, under your feet. Who knows what was sitting there before you? And you're sitting there. You're absolutely as safe and secure. Ain't no monster coming in the Malco. And none of them are going to get you. And yet, your fears and emotions are telling you, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. And the same diabolical methodology that Satan uses in your daily life in the midst of the battle. He is dominating you with fear. Just like the disciples inside of the boat, they allowed their feelings to get the best of them. And ladies and gentlemen, what we're making the case for today is do not re react to your battles with fear. Having faith is based upon not how you feel, but your faith is based in a person. Are you listening to me this morning? What the disciples failed to realize is the water that was around them, the storm that was around them had a problem because the creator of the storm was with them in the boat. There was never going to be a problem with that boat going down because Jesus was with them in the boat. May you and I this morning remember in the midst of your battle, you're not going down today. If you know Jesus is your Savior, you're not losing today because if you got Jesus, you can't go down. Somebody say amen. We need to keep believing that Jesus is with us in the midst of the battle. Now, I need Jesus to help me get my blood pressure down. That one hurt. So the second story that we're talking to you about today is talking to us about still believing in the midst of the battle. Jesus encounters a demon-possessed man. The man was in rough shape. Could you imagine having all of these demons on him? And look what he does in verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me? And notice he knows Jesus' name. You see, the demon recognized Jesus' authority. He begs Jesus not to destroy him. Throw us to the hogs. Amen, Tanner. Cast us into the pigs. And he says, um, this guy that has the demons, and it's not even a fair fight. By the way, the word legion there, as I talked to you guys about, man, a thousand. So this guy, get this, Gownley, this guy's got, who knows, many demons. Maybe, a th we don't know. He's possessed by many demons, and they all lose to one Jesus. Wasn't even a fair fight. And Jesus cast them all out of the demon-possessed man. I love that. So here's what you and I understand this morning. Let me ask you, are you living in fear? Even the demons bow before God. They understand something that you and I need to get down. And here is what it is. You need to believe 
that Jesus rules over things seen and unseen. Everything from demons and devils to ways and when obey the Word of God. Isn't that good? <laughs> you're going you're to unpack that tonight in your connect groups. I love that. Even the demons and the devils, the waves, all obey the Word of God. The hurt, now, here's the interesting part of this story, and let me give it to you real quick, and then I'm going to give you three. Don't, don't leave me, because I promise you I'm going to give you three takeaways today. They're going to be helpful in helping you develop a way to fight this enemy of non-belief, and we're gonna get, it's going to be really good. So hang with me, but let's, let's give one last part of this story that I want to unpack for you, because I think it hits us. Notice what happens in the text. I'll do this quickly. The demon-possessed man who's been causing all kind of chaos and havoc that they tried to chain him up, Matt, can't keep him in jail. This guy continually torments the whole community. Did y'all read that? Get this? Jesus sets the man free. And you would think, Wayne, at this point, that everybody in the town would be, amen, thank you, somebody finally got rid of crazy town man, and, uh, and, and now we can go on in peace. But you know what, the text, you all just read it, what happens? I'm telling you, they're like a lot of us. The town gets upset. They march out to Jesus, and do you know what the town does? They ask Jesus to leave. It makes no sense, Brandon. They ask Jesus to leave. Why wouldn't you run to Jesus when you just saw him do this? And then, as I was praying for you all today and how to deliver this sermon, and Danny, the greatest thing that I cannot answer to this day. And it grieves me to my very core of my soul. And I still don't get it. I talked to over 50 pastors this week in a Zoom meeting and was trying to encourage them as I led them in a church revitalization and told them our story. But what still grieves my soul is the greatest things that Jesus has done here. You guys have seen last year 14 straight months of somebody saved, baptized, or joined our church. We're going to start a new street this Sunday, next Sunday. And all that God has been doing, the largest growth in our church, average attendance in the 90-year history, all that God is doing, but most importantly, changing your all's lives. Now answer me this. Why do your families and friends and my neighbors, why do we run from the presence of Jesus when he is setting people free and doing miracles? Why are we running from a church where Jesus is changing lives? Why are we scared of Jesus? It's a dangerous game to not believe in Jesus and to be fearful because you don't want to change. The whole community ran Jesus off because they didn't want to change 
and believe in him. Folks, this morning, I want to tell you that's exactly where Satan wants you all at. He doesn't want you to believe in the life-changing power of the gospel. And, um, and, and I really got a chance this week to see how much you guys battle this very experience in your life. And one last illustration, and I'll give you the three takeaways. <clears throat> Did I tell you I love you? This past week, um, I was at a prayer, con- uh, prayer meeting uh, on Thursday morning at West Jackson Baptist Church. We're praying for revival in our city. And so I met with a small group of other pastors to, to do this. And um, for those of you that know me, uh, know that 7.30 is not my favorite time of the day. It's not my favorite time to talk to Jesus. Uh, I have a strong conviction. I can't prove it biblically, but I believe that 7.30 in the morning is, is Japanese and Chinese people's time with God, and I don't want to upset them. Thank you. Thank you, one safe person. And anyway, and so it's just not my favorite time of the day. But I was at a prayer meeting at 730 at West Jackson. And as I was driving into the church, and of course I was running late, and so I'm sort of flying in. And, uh, and I noticed, uh, you know, I'm just not out there with you guys. And I realized what you all do every day. Again, I mean, I knew this, but I forget. And this is what you guys do every, I mean, you guys are, and and it was crazy town. People are driving nuts at 7.30 in the morning. Everybody's trying to get to work. They're trying to get to school. And it is crazy. I mean, like, get off the road, get out of the way. I mean, they're yelling at each other. And it's just like everybody's in a bad mood. Everybody, you can see the cars look angry. It's like, I don't want to go to work, but I got to go to work. And anyway, we're costing money. And so you can just tell it was chaos. And I honestly pulled my car over the side of the, of the street. And it just reminded me how much I love you guys. And I prayed for you. I pray for you all by name every single week. Because I love me and your pastor. My name. But I, I prayed over you all Thursday morning. And I just said, thank God for all those of you that suited up every day. You go to school. You go to work. And in the middle of the battle, God, would you just remind Connect Church people that to believe in you, that you're going to fight for them. You're going to fight for them. You're going to be there with them through the battle. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know, keep believing. Keep believing when the devil's trying to stop, rob your joy. It's going to happen in the morning, sorry. Uh, but you know what? I've prayed for you, and God's going to be with you in the midst of the battle. So how do we do this, guys? Uh, I'm just telling you, get out your notes real quickly, and let me give you a couple of takeaways, and we'll go home. Number one, how do we keep believing in the middle of the battle? You've got to expect struggles with the forces of darkness. Spiritual warfare is a serious matter. Though we rarely deal with overt cases of demon possession, the fact of the matter is, is that demonic impact is in this very room today. He doesn't want you to hear this message. We live in a fallen world, and the devil is out to keep us from believing in God. So quit being surprised that your life is not going like you thought it should. I've been reading, and, and I'm going to give you this illustration as we walk through these last couple of points. I've been also doing my hear journals, and not only with you guys in the book of Romans, but I've also been doing uh, the Old Testament. And right now I'm in the middle of Exodus, and the nation of Israel is walking through the desert, and we call this the desert motif, which is basically the desert story. And so let me apply it, because I think it'll help you guys as you take this home with you all today. You remember the, the Israelites, that after being delivered from Egyptian slavery and bondage. Anybody in here been delivered 
from sin, slavery, and bondage from the devil. And so, so we relate to this motif. And so just like the nation of Israel, they've been delivered from bondage. They've been delivered from slavery. And God has given them. And he says, now I'm going to carry you to the promised land. And if you were having that personality type that just thinks everything's positive and, and the story of the Bible's butterflies and unicorns or whatever. And anyway, and so all of this stuff, you would just assume that God would plop the nation of Israel into the promised land after all that they'd been through. Does that not sound how like you and I would write the story? But now God, what does he do? They spend 40 years, Jonathan, walking in the desert. Some of it because of their own choosing. And so now, you notice what happens next? And I've been reading through this. And man, it gets messy. These people start griping about the water, to God, who has delivered them from the Red Sea. You give me a break. They start griping about the food from the God that is ten plagues, save them, and they start griping about food and water. They get so down into their own self, they start griping about the desert, and they actually make this statement. Can you imagine somebody being so stupid and said, we wish we could go back to Egypt? Ouch. Think that sort of hurt God's feelings, maybe? Y'all ever done anything like that? And then, this is where I was at this week. The morons build a golden calf. And they worship a dead cow. A statue and deny the power of God. In the midst of the battle of the desert, they totally forsake God. And you've got to ask the question, how did they get there? Because they didn't own the fact that the devil is trying to keep them from believing in God. You're going to struggle in this desert life journey that you're going through. Now here's the thing that they forgot, and I believe that this is what the devil intends to do in your life. The devil shamed them. Don't you think for a second, Miss Amy, that every one of those Jews felt embarrassed and ashamed that they were griping? They felt embarrassed and ashamed, Daniel, that they had denied God and worshipped a golden calf. Do you know what shame is doing in your life this morning? You all feel guilty because you don't do what you should be doing. You don't tithe. You don't join a small group. You don't come to church. Whatever it is in your life, you've got a porn addiction. You've got this bad attitude about that you're just mad. And the truth of the matter is, you're really mad at God. You don't like people. All this stuff that you feel ashamed and guilty about, and all the while, the devil is using that to keep you from believing in God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you and I this morning that you need to know this. Jesus is ready to forgive you. Do you know what the Israel could have done to get in the promised land at a second's notice? Is to call out and say, God, we're sorry. And do you know that Jesus wants to forgive you this morning? Anybody in here with shame and guilt? How about you quit letting the devil use it against you? Confess it, and believe it or not, the shed blood of Jesus covers it all. He releases you this morning from every embarrassing and pitiful choice you've made, 
and says, let me love you. Let me forgive you. The struggle is real, but Jesus is greater than your struggle. Dr. Larry Crabb makes this case and argument. He's one of the greatest Christian psychologists uh, that I've ever read after, one of my favorite authors. And he tells the story of a painful death of his brother who was killed in a plane crash. He said Satan took him to such a dark place in the season of the desert of his life, and the devil was just trying to wear him out. Then he said, I realized that God wanted me to continue to believe. And he writes five stages of how to overcome grief. And Courtney, these are good. It's what we teach in, in the Grief Share. And he says, here's the five stages of overcoming grief and overcoming the evil one who wants to destroy you in the dark seasons of the desert by yourself. And here's what he realized. Number one, he said, I realized that I was, uh, that I was bitter and struggling and that I needed God. I need you. He said, secondly, I came to a place where I said to God, I hate you because my brother died. Thirdly, he said, I then felt guilty, the shame that I just talked about. And he said, I hate me for thinking this about God. And so then he took, took him into a deeper hole. And then he finally realized the grace that we preach here at Connect Church, the grace of Jesus Christ that is un, un, uh, you cannot begin to, to, to quantify it. He says, I realize I will survive, but here's the key place you want to get to. Here's how I will survive. You survive the desert seasons of your life by being a part in a relationship with Jesus Christ, by being a part of a church family and discipleship groups and connect groups and reminding over and over every week you need to be encouraged and strengthened to keep believing in Jesus and don't quit and that's what the church family does number two is we see that the word of God calms our fears calm God the word of God calms our fears the disciples back to the story of the disciples were terrified in the boat and they cried out to Jesus for help and as they cried out for Jesus for the help, they realized that he was in their midst. Jesus is speaking every Sunday in this church. The word of God is speaking to you in your hear journals in the daily. Guys, what you need is to hear from God daily. Here's what I want you to write down. This is the key to the whole sermon. The key to overcoming your fears is to listen to God speak into your daily life. This is why we yell at you bug you, gripe about it, complain, that we encourage you every week to do your hear journals and to be a church because we're fighting the enemy in the midst of the battle. And the way that we win is to remember that God is fighting for us. Listen to me this morning. You understand that what the disciples realized that day is that Jesus fights the devil for you. Jesus is fighting for you, not against you. Rob Gallaty tells a story. 
And I was thinking, how do I wrap this sermon up? And I was listening to a podcast. He's one of my favorite preachers. And, and the Holy Spirit said, just go tell your people this and wrap it up. And so here we are. And so Rob Galley's telling the story about being in a recently uh, at a pastor's conference where he was the featured speaker. And, and hundreds of pastors are there. And they paid him a lot of money to be there. And so he's speaking at this big-time conference. And Rob Galley in the second session says, I know this is probably they're going to never invite me again. But he says, who cares? He said, uh, I'm not going to preach in this second session. And he said, what I'm going to do is I want every one of you preachers, he said, the Holy Spirit just said for me to shut up. And he said, I'm telling y'all to get out of the building. And Rob Gallaty looks at this big pastor's conference where everybody's flown in to hear him speak. And he says, I need for the next hour for every one of you to go find a quiet place. I want every one of you to either go back to your motel room, go out by the lake, go in a closet, wherever you can find in this building. He said, I need you to spend an hour where you're just alone with God in his word. And he said, we're going to come back. And he said, what happened next was crazy. He said, they come back in, and he said, pastors are weeping, and they're just sharing. And he said, one pastor got up and testified at the conference that Rob Gowdy's supposed to be preaching at. And he said, one guy got up and testified. He said, I've been preaching at my church since 2008. Uh, my, my dad died in 2008. And he said, for the last 14 years, I've been getting up and doing my job. I've been preaching and pastoring the church, but I've been through a desert of dryness. He said, it's just desperate. I'm dry as can be. And he said, and he said, there's just no power there. And he said, and I realized today in that hour of just alone with God, that he said, God just told me he loves me. He said, God said, it's going to be okay. And I care about you. And he said, I just forgot that I've got a shepherd that cares for me and wants to help me and is fighting for me. And he said, my joy came back. And he said, I just had never accepted the fact that I was grieving over the loss of my daddy. And I did, and I needed Jesus' help. This is keep believing in the midst of the battle and it sets you free, which is our last point this morning. The word of God sets us free. The demon-possessed man found freedom in Jesus. Jesus set him free, and he can do the same for you in the desert season of your life. Do you know how to get out of a desert this morning? Look at me. How do you get out of a desert? You let the shepherd lead you. How do you get out of the season that you're in? You let the shepherd lead you. And by the way, we have a really good shepherd. We have a really good shepherd. He knows the way through. The question is, are you going to believe in the shepherd? Shall we stand? If you're here this morning and you're struggling, and man, you're just frustrated because of the season of life that you've been in, the question is this. Are you going to stay there? Are you going to let the devil keep knocking you down? Are you tired of losing the battle? Today, all it takes is faith. The faith of the disciples to cry out, Jesus, we need your help. The demon-possessed man to cry out, Jesus, I believe that you can change my circumstances, the trajectory, the, the perspective of my life. You can change all of that. God, I believe, would you this morning pray right now where you're standing? Maybe during the invitation, you need to even come and say, Jesus, I believe again. God, I'm tired of losing the battle in this desert season of my life. I believe, I believe. If you will this morning.
come as we sing a verse of invitation. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.